0: Hello, you are listening to the Late Bloomer Living Podcast, and I'm Yvonne Marchese, your host. This is episode number 13. Wow, it's episode 13, folks. I know, that's not a huge milestone, but hey it is a baker's dozen. (laughs) Um, I thought I'd go solo for this show, really as a little bit of a personal challenge. And um, I want to take a little time to reflect on the oh so short amount of time that I've been doing this. (sighs) So what the heck am I going to talk about? If you've been listening from the beginning, you know that what I do here is mostly interviews with people who have in some way, shape, or form reinvented themselves in midlife. I've been aiming to tell you their stories in the hopes that it will inspire you to explore your next big adventure, your next chapter, so to say. Um... I want to talk about reinvention and I want to challenge the idea that as we get older we don't have as much value to contribute to the world that is in fact the reason I'm doing this podcast in the last century or so older people have been devalued by our society the whole idea that when you turn 50 you're over the hill just doesn't ring true to me especially now that we're living longer I mean, seriously, many of us are going to live into our 80s. So, if you're in your 40s or 50s now, that means that you have 30 or 40 years ahead of you. And do you really just want to accept that it's time to slow down, relax, and wait to die? I mean, for 30 years? We're not dead yet, folks. And I believe we have something valuable to give. So, today... I'll start by talking a little bit about what my journey has been like so far in learning how to produce a podcast. Um, I hope that in sharing my story, you'll find something in it for yourself. Guys, I have been having so much fun doing this. Well, at times I'm not sure fun is always the right word for it, but it has been just the right amount of challenge that I was seeking when I started down this path, and then some. First of all, I've been having to learn a bunch of tech stuff. And while that's been uncomfortable, I want those of you who are technophobes to know that it's not as hard as you might think to learn new technology. I mean, seriously, you can learn anything on YouTube, and I do mean anything. So if there's something you want to do that seems too difficult because of the learning curve involved with technology, please don't be stopped by that. Admittedly, looking things on Up on YouTube it can be overwhelming because there's so much content and let's face it not all of its good but when I take enough time to really dig I often find some angel out there who's putting out amazingly good easy to follow tutorials and once I find that person I subscribe to their channel and I binge on everything they do okay but yes there is all that free content and it can be overwhelming And sometimes you need someone to hold your hand. So find a coach or take a class. There's one thing I've noticed in the interviews I've done so far. It seems to be a unifying theme that all of the people I've spoken to have used teachers and coaches to help them get past the points in their life where they were stuck. And that includes me. Um, For instance, when I decided I wanted to learn how to become a photographer, I signed up for a study from home program through the New York Institute of Photography um, to learn how to do professional photography. It took me three years to complete that program because I was working full time and I had small children to take care of. And you know, the learning process might take you some time too, but I'm not saying you need to go back to school like I did or enroll in college. You can take smaller bites. For instance... When I wanted to learn Photoshop, I started with a continuing education course, which helped me get past the fear of messing around in Photoshop. And let me tell you, Photoshop is a wonderful program, but it's also not intuitive. And there are a thousand different ways to do things. So anyway, there's also the idea of what they call just-in-time learning. I'm putting quotes around just-in-time. That's where YouTube and Google searches come in. And what that means is you look up what you need in the moment that you need it and you do it in small bites just in time. For example, when I needed to learn more in Photoshop in order to figure out a particular problem like um, how to clear up blemishes on somebody's face or wrinkles. (laughs) Anyway, after searching, I found a great teacher on YouTube. His name is Aaron Nace, by the way, and his YouTube channel is called Flurn. Um, for anyone who wants to learn Photoshop, that's spelled P H L E A R N. He's the bomb. Anyway, I would bookmark his tutorials, and whenever I needed to swap heads in a family photo, I would revisit his step-by-step tutorial. And honestly, I have to revisit it every time I want to swap heads. Um, another option, another awesome uh, resource for me in uh, just-in-time learning has been Creative Live. They sell all kinds of courses, and I highly recommend you check them out. And no, I'm not getting paid to say that. Although, Creative Live, if you're listening, I'm open to that. Um, Anyway, when I was hired to shoot my first wedding, as an example, oh my gosh, I was so excited and completely terrified. So I bought a course on Creative Live that frankly saved my butt. Susan Stripling's course on creative wedding photography is one that I go back to over and over again. Um, Another example is from a couple of years ago when I wanted to figure out how to make my photography business less seasonal. Um, So family photography seems to happen mostly in the fall and spring. Um, You know, everybody wants their Christmas photos done in the fall. So I found an amazing course in this search that taught me how to do personal branding photography. And it was by Jamie Swanson. It was awesome. It was an investment, at least by my standards. I put down a decent chunk of change to do her six-week course and then I followed it up by investing in her membership group so I could continue to learn and practice how to do personal branding photography plus I was in there with a bunch of other photographers sorting through things Um, so I kept learning learning how to market it I will tell you that investment was worth every penny I ended up pivoting my photography business to really focus on branding photography and it's helped me become busy year round as I've added it to my family photography offerings Um, in her class I learned how to put together a landing page for marketing oh my gosh never would have done that on my own. I don't think. i learned how to look for my ideal clients and how to guide them through the process of planning a successful branding session. I mean, there is no way I would have done what I did in that six-week course if I'd had a year to do it on my own, cobbling together information from what I could gather on Google or YouTube. I mean, you know, all the information is out there for free, but it's not organized like this course was. Sometimes, you just have to invest in yourself. The other thing I've discovered this year is the value of having a one-on-one coaching relationship. I ended up working with two coaches this year for the first time ever. Um, I worked with Kelsey Banfield of the Manifesting Company earlier in the year, and I'm just wrapping up a 12-week session with Dana Kay of Branding Outside the Box. And I have to tell you that having someone to brainstorm with and keep you accountable is beyond valuable. I've also had a couple of coaches on past episodes, and what I've noticed is that they all mentioned having coaches that helped them get past their sticking points. By the way, I've been doing a lot of name dropping here. I will put links to everything I mention in the show notes. Okay, that may have been a bit of a rant. I don't know. Maybe. I hope it was helpful in some way. So, I think the main thing that I learned up to this point in the process is that I just need to be okay with or just sit with uncertainty and discomfort. Why do I say that? Well, this whole process of launching a podcast has been an exercise in discomfort in that I'm having to learn new things and embrace being a beginner. And also one of the reasons it took me so long to start the podcast is because I hesitate to put myself out in the world as some sort of expert. (laughs) The idea of presenting myself as an expert makes me extremely uncomfortable. Imposter syndrome kicks right in and let me tell you, it is strong. It makes me feel certain that you guys are going to call me out for being a fraud. And then I have to ask myself, why am I uncomfortable with the idea of being an expert? I mean, what kind of limiting beliefs are standing in the way of me claiming any sort of expertise in this area of midlife transformation. Maybe it's because I don't have some sort of certificate that declares me to be an expert. Can you relate? I think we've all been trained to look to credentials to verify expertise in others and in ourself. The truth is, I do have life experience, as do you. And I guess a certain amount of expertise when it comes to making big life changes. I mean, I've done it a few times over. So really, I am qualified to talk about that. Not so much as an expert, but simply from my own experience and what I've learned along the way. And hopefully, that's helpful to you. As I've gotten older, I will say I've become more fearful of making life changes because I'm responsible for so many more people right now than I was when I was younger. But in many ways, I think I've gotten smarter about how I tackle big changes. I have more tools in my toolkit now than when I did when I was younger. And I think that's true for all of us. And we forget to give ourselves credit for that life experience and how it can serve us when we step into a new challenge and that our life experience in the form of stories can be helpful to other people. So I also mentioned a minute ago that this process has required me to learn how to embrace uncertainty. And boy, howdy, this time that we're living through right now is requiring us all to embrace uncertainty, right? In a way that is really significant and obvious, right? I mean, it is hard to plan for anything right now. Everything seems up for grabs, but we can't just sit still. So we have to make choices to move forward, all the while realizing that our plans may go up in smoke. And the thing is, it's always been that way. We just have a lot of extra stuff going on in the world right now to show us that we really don't have control over the outcome. We never did. The only thing we have control over is our next step. So, ah, what the hell, I'll share with you what I've learned about reinvention so far. (laughs) Besides the teachers in my life and the coaches that I've known personally, I've had many other teachers in the past couple of years that have come to me through their books and their podcasts. There are some common threads in all their teachings that have been game changers for me. And I'll try to share with you, and listen, by the way, none of this is new. You may have heard all of this before, but I think some things bear repeating because sometimes even if we've heard something before, if we hear it again and again from different people, perhaps it starts to sink in. Or maybe we understood it intellectually the first few times we heard it, and now we're in a different space in our lives and it suddenly rings true and it sinks in in a way that it didn't before, or we're able to apply it in a way we weren't able to apply it before. So I think what I really want to talk about in this very roundabout way is... How to embrace beginner thinking and move through all that uncertainty and discomfort that goes with it. So, what is beginner thinking? Here's a quote from uh, Shunru Suzuki. I hope I pronounced that right. In the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities, in the expert's mind, there are few. The definition of a beginner is a person just starting to learn a skill or take part in an activity. And that is an uncomfortable place to be when you've been around the block as many times as we have. But think about it. What's holding you back from that thing you wanna do? I'm going to guess the first thing you'll say is that you don't have time or money to do it. But I think the real thing that holds us back is fear fear of failing, because we've been taught that failing is bad, fear of looking stupid, fear of being judged fear of change. So I think we stick to doing the things we already know how to do, even though we're bored out of our minds because it's the safe choice. We already know that path. It's well-worn. We get to be experts when we stick to the stuff we've been doing for ages. But the beauty of stepping into being a beginner at something is it's in that beautiful word, possibility. I really do love that word. What might we become if we start something new. I don't know about you, but when I think about that, I get really excited. And besides, change is inevitable. You're not the same person you were five years ago. Heck, you're probably not even the same person you were this time last year. This has been a transformative year for all of us. And since change is happening all around us and to us all the time, I think we need to learn how to embrace it. Now, You might be thinking, I don't have any problem with being a beginner at something, I just don't even know what I want to do next. Let me tell you, I have been there. When I became a mom and decided I was done with pursuing an acting career, I had no idea what I wanted to do next. I toyed around with the idea of learning how to produce radio stories in the style of This American Life, but I was stopped by the amount of time it would take me to learn how to do it, And I didn't see a clear path to becoming a radio producer. I thought I'd have to go back to school for broadcasting, and I felt like I was too old to go back to school for yet another low-paying career. You see, podcasts weren't even a thing back then. So even if I learned how to produce my own shows, I'd have to shop them around to see if i get get one picked up by NPR or something like that. And... I certainly didn't have the confidence to do that, and I couldn't imagine putting in all the time to create a show and then not have an outlet where I could share it. So I spent many years feeling pretty lost. Luckily, I had some really cute kiddos to raise and cuddle in the meantime and a job to pay the bills while I figured things out, but yeah, I felt lost. So for those of you who just feel stuck and don't even know what you want, know first of all that you're not alone. I think many of us, for many of us it starts with the feel of the feeling of being stuck in some way. And maybe we're not even sure why we're feeling that way. We we may not even know what we want to do. So the first step is to notice your thoughts. It's really all about awareness. Taking the time to sit with yourself for a little bit and notice for instance What are you complaining about regularly? Listen to yourself for your repeated complaints. Oh, here's a fun thing to do. (laughs) Several years ago, when I was really struggling with feeling stuck and I was feeling a lot of negativity, I decided to give up complaining for Lent. (laughs) And what happened to me during those 40 days was that in trying to give up complaining, what it did was make me notice that I was complaining all the time. Even if I wasn't complaining out loud to people, I was complaining in my head to myself. I couldn't believe how many of my thoughts were complaints. And I started to notice patterns in my complaints. I started to notice that some of the same complaints kept resurfacing over and over again, like a little loop. Trust me, if you do this, oh, you will get so sick of hearing yourself complain. And they say that being aware of the problem is the first step towards fixing it, right? So try it for, let's say, 15 to 30 days. And by the way, I've tried to give up complaining for Lent every year since then because it really tunes me into my thought patterns. So I know, I know, it might sound like a bummer to dwell on your complaints, but don't think of it as dwelling. Think of it, um, don't think of it as dwelling so much, I would say. Just think of it as developing an awareness of them. And be kind to yourself when you notice your complaints. In fact, you you might end up laughing at yourself. The idea is not to beat yourself up for being a negative Nelly, but just to notice it and realize that everyone else is complaining in their heads all the time too. And this really does require a lot of self-compassion because you will be sick of your complaints after you do this for a while. So try to do it with humor and give yourself space and forgiveness. Um, in fact, there's something you can do that's fun To balance this out. It's something we used to do all the time when we were kids and it used to come so naturally to us. I'm talking about daydreaming. I know you're already saying I don't have time for that. (laughs) I think as we get older and we have more to do and more responsibilities we stop daydreaming and I think daydreaming is so powerful. Seriously when we were kids we did it all the time And I think it fills you with a sense of possibility. I'm talking about letting your mind think about things that bring you joy. Imagine yourself doing them and imagine yourself in situations where you could feel joyful and fulfilled or have felt joyful and fulfilled. And set aside time for this. Like when you take a walk or, you know, just gift yourself the time to sit in nature for a bit and let your mind wander without a phone in your hand. Maybe do some journaling. Again, that goes back to developing an awareness about yourself and your thoughts and giving yourself time to tap into exploring what it is you want. So after you do this for a while, you'll notice what you're consistently complaining about. Um, you'll notice what maybe you wish you were doing too, if you're taking some time to daydream. But anyway, you know, you're going to notice with the complaining part, you're going to notice your your automatic thinking patterns and there's huge power in that. I mean, once you notice those complaints and we can call those limiting thoughts, then you could replace the thoughts you feel are holding your back. They're holding you back in some way. You could actually make the choice to replace those thoughts with something new to reframe the negative thoughts. So, okay, let me give you an example. One of my constant complaints is that I feel overwhelmed and too busy. So what I've learned to do is reframe that complaint with a quote that I love, which is, do what you can with what you've got where you are. By the way, that quote is usually attributed to Teddy Roosevelt, but it came from his autobiography, and he was quoting a guy named Squire Bill Widener or something, whatever. Anyway, it's a saying that instantly calms me down, first of all. Do what you can with what you've got where you are. And it reminds me that even though I can't do it all, I can do something. Um, Another complaint I constantly have in my head is, no matter what I do, it's never enough. (laughs) I know, right? The pity party, the self-pity party is raging here. Um, So whenever I can, I replace this thought with, I did the best I could today and I'm learning more and I'm getting better at this every day. Oh, here's a good one. If you tend to focus on how bad you're feeling physically every day, like when I'm fighting fatigue or I feel a cold coming on, I'll tell myself, my body is working miracles. And I just think about all the little T-cells that are doing their thing to try to fight off a cold or make me feel better. Um, When I find myself complaining about my circumstances or I find myself thinking I'm a failure... I'll often tell myself, I'm in the midst of a breakthrough. And then, and then I laugh. It just makes me laugh for some reason. Um, but I can also buy into it. So I guess you could call these affirmations. I think Mel Robbins calls them anchoring thoughts. And the thing is, you have to find what works for you because you have to buy into the new thought or see possibility in it. By the way, one of my favorite teachers, um, you know, one of those people who I listen to and read is Mel Robbins. If you've been listening from the beginning to this podcast, I'm sure you've heard me mention her. And she names this process that I'm talking about as Think This, Not That. In in fact, I'll put a link in the show notes to a blog post of hers. It's called 21 Days to Think This, Not That. It's pretty cool. Check it out. Um, Here's a few other things you can do that can help you identify what it is you actually want. Uh, And I think this first one probably comes from Mel Robbins, too. Notice when you feel envy, which seems weird, right? But the thing is, is ask yourself why you feel envious of that person. Is it just because they have all the trappings of wealth and they look successful? Or is it because they're doing something that looks like fun? Or they're doing something admirable and meaningful and you think to yourself, well, sure, it's easy for them. They're talented or smart or beautiful. You fill in the blank. But anyway, then picture yourself doing what they're doing and notice how that makes you feel. Do you feel excited? Lighter? Maybe a little giddy? If it doesn't make you feel great to think about doing what they're doing, it probably isn't actually the right thing for you. But if it gives you those little butterflies in your stomach that you get when you have a crush, well then that path may be worth checking out. So, another thing you can do is ask yourself, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? Or what would you do if money wasn't an issue? And write down the answer. Give it, you know, brainstorm it, turning it into a journaling exercise. Make a list out of it and then revisit the list. Hold up your answers to the same test you did before. When you look at your list, does anything stand out that gets you excited? And by the way, if it makes you feel really scared, consider the possibility that that's really just excitement. There have been many studies done that show that fear and excitement have the same physical reactions in the body, like sweaty palms and a racing heart, and your brain is just trying to prepare you for action. Um, Think about, here's another one, think about how you are special. What comes easily to you? I mean, what can you do that is so easy that it isn't easy for other people? And that's your superpower. And if you don't know what it is, that's totally normal because it's so easy for you that you might not recognize it as being special. Here's a way to look at it or think about it. What do other people ask you for advice with and help with? That's a hint. Also, you could ask people you're close to what they think you're good at that they wish they were good at. And now here's a question. Do you enjoy doing that thing that comes so easily to you? I'm going to guess you probably do. Maybe. Okay, one last exercise to trigger your creativity here. And I'm pretty sure I got this one from Marie Forleo's book, um, Everything is Figure Outable. Very good. Check it out. Um, so set a timer for 10 or 15 minutes and make a list of things that complete the statement. Wouldn't it be cool if... Dot, 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 Don't edit yourself. Write down as much as you can, as quickly as you can. And later on, you can go back and look at your list to see what jumps out at you. I did this exercise, and when I go back to look at it, I realize that I really want to travel more, that I want to spend more time having fun with my husband and my family and friends. And I wrote this down last year. I wrote down, wouldn't it be cool if everyone felt empowered to tap into their dreams and take chances. Hmm, interesting, right? And here's what I'm doing now. So you can then try visualizing yourself doing these things. And by the way, visualization is different from daydreaming because it's more intentional. And honestly, I'm not super consistent about visualizing, but when I do it regularly, it's pretty magical. And this may sound woo-woo, but... Recent studies and brain imaging show that the brain doesn't know the difference between imagination and reality. I'll put links, I'll put a few links to um, articles about this in the show notes. Um, Oh, and by the way, Einstein said, imagination is more important than knowledge, for knowledge is limited, whereas imagination embraces the entire world, stimulating progress, giving birth to evolution. Pretty awesome, right? So the thing is with visualization, before you can before you can achieve a goal, you have to believe you could do it. And you need to see it before you can believe it. And that's why top performing athletes do it. It's been shown to reduce stress and anxiety, and let's face it, stress and anxiety are performance killers. Anyway, the idea is to visualize yourself taking the steps towards your goals with as much detail and emotion as you can bring to it. And if you do it regularly for only like 3 to 5 minutes a day, which is nothing, what you're doing with that consistency is rewiring your brain to believe in what you're visualizing. So, I guess I better get more consistent with that, huh? <laughs> um and then, of course, you need to take action because Visualizing without action isn't going to get you anywhere. And that doesn't mean you have to make huge changes right away or do everything right away. Simple first steps could be doing research or taking a class. Dip your toes to get started. Don't stay in the research phase for too long, convincing yourself that you're taking action. But, you know, eventually you have to do the things that are outside your comfort zone. Discomfort is where the growth is. I will tell you there have been days when i was really uncomfortable and frustrated during the process of launching this podcast there were days i felt like i was spinning my wheels the whole day especially when learning new tech because you know i'm doing this podcast as a passion project i don't have a massive budget for it i knew i needed a website And after a lot of research, I decided to do it the hard way. I decided to build the website myself in WordPress for too many reasons to get into here. And oh my gosh, I would have loved to hire someone, but I am in total bootstrap mode around here, folks. And let me tell you, I am not a web designer. I don't know code. I'm not a graphic designer. So I had to do a lot of research to figure out how to do something that would be easy for someone who does it all the time. But for me, it was a heavy lift. And I finally found a really helpful YouTube tutorial. Hooray for YouTube. It came with a template that I could use to get me started and incredible step-by-step instructions that taught me how to personalize that template. In fact, I'll try to link that in the show notes too. Note to self. It took me months to get that website up. And believe me, I was frustrated. I was kicking myself for biting off way more than I could chew. And the one thing I did that was really helpful was to ask a friend with some website development experience for help. In the end, he didn't end up doing the actual website build for me. But he was so generous. We would talk once a week and I would bounce ideas off of him and let him know where I was hung up and we would talk through it. And I'd end up making a punch list of things to do that week before our next talk. And it gave me a focus. I never would have had working completely solo. I think I just would have been lost. So thank you so much, Mike, for holding my hand. Um, And this is where I have to tell you that I usually suck at asking for help. It makes me feel so uncomfortable. But at the beginning of the year this year, I decided that I was going to make the word help my word of the year. And what that means is I committed to both being helpful to others and asking and receiving help, asking for and receiving help with grace. And it's been another game changer for me. So if you're at the point where you're, Starting something new and you run into a wall. Here are my best tips for getting for how to get past like beginner pitfalls. Okay, are you ready? Number one, reframe limiting thoughts. Try replacing I can't do it or I don't know how to do this with I can learn how to do it or I'm learning so much. Um, Number two, visualize yourself succeeding at the task ahead of you. Uh, number three, take baby steps. When you feel overwhelmed, just take the next best step. Number four, trust that your baby steps are enough. You know, they say we overestimate what we can do in a year and we underestimate what we can do in 10 years. So trust that those little baby steps are enough. I have, I have a hard time with that. So I'm, I'm saying that now. Finally, I just want to say, if you're feeling like you need to shake things up, honor it. Do it. And remember, you are not alone. Find people to help you and people you can help in return. The world needs your big idea. The world needs your art. The world needs your voice, really. And if your need to shake things up is more personal, like needing to get in shape, I think that's even more important. I mean, how much better would you feel if you tackled that? And then, once you're feeling better, what else might you be able to contribute to the world? So that's it for now. I love you guys. If you made it this far, thank you so much for listening. Please share this with anyone you think would be interested. Um, please leave a rating and maybe a review if you like the podcast, it's super easy and it will help me to reach other people. Um, if you're listening in Apple podcasts, you go to the main page of the podcast, scroll down to where you see ratings and reviews and you can choose anywhere from one to five stars to give it a super, a simple rating, super quick. Of course, I'd love the five, but you know, follow your heart. Um, If you want to leave an actual review, scroll down just a little further and you'll see a little checkbox that says, write a review. And I would be forever grateful. And before I forget, I will, as I mentioned, put links to everything I mentioned uh, in the show notes. And if there's something that catches your your attention and you want to know more, just head on over there and I will hook you up. Just go to the podcast page on my website, uh, latebloomerliving.com slash podcast. And from there, you can find this episode or look up past episodes for their show notes. And if you don't see something there that I mentioned, just send me an email to latebloomerliving at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Oh, next week... My guest is Joe O'Callaghan. He is a dear friend and my husband's best friend from way back. Uh, we're talking about his midlife exploration of starting a contemplative practice that then led him to start writing poetry for the first time in his life. Um, we're even reading some of his poems and they're wonderful. We're going deep, folks. I hope you have a fantastic week. Talk soon.